episode 781, I think, Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Um, and uh, as I was just telling you, there's really no uh, there's really no flow, or there is flow. There's no rhyme or reason to this podcast. It's just shooting this shit, and you arrest So there's only flow, there's nothing only else. Flow. It is nothing but flow. <laughs> it is the elemental distillation of flow. Um, but hey, man, for myself and for all the audience members, please introduce yourself. All right, I'm Pasquale Scopoliti. It's this wonderful Italian name, Pasquale Scopoliti, so I go by Pat. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's easy for everybody to say. Uh, I don't know if you can see him in the corner back there. That's my grandfather. I get my name from him. It's a bust of my grandfather that my mother created. Um, I don't really know where you come from in the whole political spectrum. I think we got introduced by a mutual yes. contact at Twitter, yes. who I would imagine we kind of share political, you know, perspective. But I have no idea. I don't really know anything about you yet. Um, I've got my book here, so you can can you read it? America the title first, the Mega Manifesto. So you kind of get my my leaning. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I'm fine. I'm more of a conservative guy. Um, but but whatever. It doesn't doesn't matter. Every week I have on one of my best friends who is the complete opposite of me. I don't give a awesome. shit whether we're the same or different. I don't give a shit, man. Okay. So, um, just jumping jumping into it then. For me, it seems like the the biggest thing is 2022 seems to be uh, what's the right word? Almost like a canary, and it's gonna be. I mean, I personally. I personally think the the 2020 election was uh, was stolen. I do think that it was a coordinated effort. Just my that's just my opinion. I could be well, wrong. Well, now there's two of us. Okay, but but I I, I always entertain I, I always entertain that I could be wrong. It could be my own uh, my own confirmation bias. Um, sure could. And then what it comes down to is if it was stolen, um, because we are the most powerful nation in the world. My logic is if is if it was stolen, it was stolen by us. Just like if, you know, JFK was assassinated by a nation state, it was us. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then what, what the implications of a stolen election means is although we've been doing it for decades around the world, doing it here, does it mean that um, this was the first time it happened? Or does it mean that there have been nonstop stolen elections since 1963? This is the first one that really peeled the veil back in the same way that I don't think collusion between big pharma and the media is novel to covid i think covid <laughs> exposed it right i think that's well put i think covid exposed it it's we can now look back and look at oxycontin we can look at doctors smoking cigarettes we go oh it's not new it's it's when you catch someone cheating on you it wasn't the first time they were you go oh this is this has been going so the reason i'm saying all that is is so there are a lot of implications to whether or not it was stolen. If it was stolen, it probably wasn't the first stolen one. If it was the first stolen one, and here's the purpose of everything I'm saying, you can really only use that card once, right? You can really, in, right after JFK was assassinated, immediately they started putting, like, presidents were only riding in, like, hard top limousines. There was no more, op right after 9-11, there's going to be another terrorist attack. It's not going to be hijacking planes. All the all the doors to the cockpit uh. are now steel. You now got to go through the metal detector. You can't, you know, there's all these tests. So once you use, when you come for the king, you best not miss. So once you use one avenue, you really can't use that avenue again. So the point of that whole rant was 
Great rant. Thank you. 2022 really holds a lot of of intrigue to me because COVID's, COVID's dead. They, they can't use that whole thing again. There's so many poll watchers. There are so many people with eyes on this now. There are so many election laws that have been changed. They might have gotten away with 2020. They might never, There's a re, the reality is they'll probably never be reprimanded. The bad guys got away. But what do you think is gonna happen in 2022? Are we going to see fair elections? You know, I'm kind of like, I've got all kinds of competing emotions right now. So it's like, you Who know, cares? Hurt in my heart because of what you said, because of what you said. It's like, you're filling my heart with hope. Uh, you know, maybe it could only be used once. I never had that thought before right this moment. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that, and, and your historical background is flawless. I mean, spot on history. And I'm going, wow, hope. That's on the one hand. <laughs> now we got the other hand. I'm a um, poll analyst. And when I say poll, I don't mean like the voting booth polls. I mean like opinion polls, mm-hmm. opinion polling. Um, I don't know if you know anything at all about my political background. Back in 2016, I got involved with the Trump campaign oh. as a volunteer analyst. I worked together with General Mike Flynn. He and I became yeah. colleagues. Yeah. Yes. And he wrote the uh, foreword to this book. Um, and he and I are friends. We had a great conversation over the weekend in which he said not once but twice, happy Easter to me. <laughs> He's really big on Easter. It's a big thing for him. Hell, anyway. <laughs> hell, hell yeah. uh, so one of the things we I, I sent in probably somewhere between four and 450 analyses to the campaign during the peak of the election season and General Flynn read every single one of them and forwarded those that he stood behind. And the most um, exciting work that we did together was create a new method of analyzing polling data. So when I tell you I'm really into polling data, I really am. I don't bring the statistical orientation that many of the others out there that I'm in such awe of them. And I have immense respect and some jealousy because I don't have their statistical mathematical background, which I would love, but I don't. Anyway, but what I did was I brought uh, well over 30 years of technical analysis, uh, which comes from stocks and commodities. And I applied it to polling data. And by way of all the research and everybody I've been able to speak to so far, Tommy, uh, I'm the first person to ever do that. Okay. Nobody ever did that before. And we put together uh, these just wonderful charts and diagrams. And General Flynn gives that work credit in being significantly beneficial to the campaign in coming down to the win. Uh, also, I will brag further that I did make the call three weeks and in a presidential election, 21 days, three weeks is like, you know, two deserts and a continent in between, between yeah. here and there, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just forever. And and I called it, called it without the slightest bit of hesitation. And not just because I wanted it to happen, which I did, uh, but I was always very clear about my confirmation bias, uh, but because of the data and my analysis of the data drove me to that conclusion without the slightest hesitation. All right, so all of that rant and in background to come back up to why, I'm so discouraged, even at the very same moment I'm encouraged by what you just said, and that's this. I saw in 2020, 
the absolute implosion. I thought I'd seen it previously, but no, 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 no. The entire political polling apparatus went so far underground as to become a force for evil and not for good, a force for disinformation and not information, a source to misguide as opposed to guide and lead us. It was, it became, and I know this term is so overused, I almost hate saying it, but political polling became weaponized and weaponized to the degree like there's nothing left. The only thing there is the poll as a weapon. There's no information gathering. There's no uh, actual opinion research going on. It's all done to purpose, by agenda, by the way you ask the questions, by the sample size, uh, by who you are sampling, you know, the selection, and, you know, the leading from one question to the next question to the question that follows, the way you set up, you know, the mind's expectation of what's going to come and the answers that are going to be the ones that the other person wants to hear as opposed to what you actually feel here. I mean, all of it on down the line. And I spent during 2020 countless analyses. I wasn't I wasn't connected to the campaign anymore in 2020. By then I had a Twitter following. Uh, at one point, uh, Sidney Powell retweeted almost an entire thread of mine that I did on General Flynn. And that got me from about 15 up to a little bit over 30,000 followers. Just her doing that the one time, boom, exploded me. Then when they took her off and, you know, with the great purge and everything, I'm back down now to about 17, which 17,000, which I guess in today's world is kind of large-ish for somebody on our side of things. But anyway, uh, so it was there. So I took all of my analytical work and I ported it over to Twitter and I became a thread writer. So as opposed to analyses I sent to the campaign, posted all this stuff in public at Twitter and I analyzed poll after poll after poll and I just, I pulled them all apart and I kept looking to see if anybody would debate me. I never got a single debate. Not one. Nobody could, nobody, now, I'm not a big name, so the big names are not going to come and argue with me. But even still, nobody ever disputed it, so that I, by the time we lost on the night of 3 November, and I'm watching Fox, and by the way, 3 November is seared in my mind as the last time I ever watched news on TV. I just, I've not watched any news on TV from then till now. I, and I don't know whenever, if ever I'm going to do it again. I vividly remember I was staying up watching the I'd I'd watched the the Joe Rogan live stream with Tim Dillon and uh, Kyle Kuklinski, and I remember I was uh, playing Sniper Elite Four on my Xbox, <laughs> and I was just staying up. And but I've watched I, I I love I've always loved watching just staying up for elections, even for ones yeah. I didn't agree with. Like I still oh, yeah. I just want to see it's. It's crazy. I just want to see it, right? It's momentous. We've been a politically addicted family for decades. Yeah. And up until 2016, you know, we would scream and yell at the TV just for the sheer joy and fun of it. You know, that's our yeah. that's our kind of fun around here. Uh, never got involved. Was yeah. never connected in any way, shape, or form. So 2016 was my first participation. Then in 2020, I'm watching this. And I'm seeing the election stolen before my very eyes. And I've been, you know, I was deeply into all the data by, you know, and whatnot. And I'm going, yeah, right. Well, no, no. Well, that's what I mean. And I always say this just to, like, show people that although I have cognitive uh, confirmation bias, I also I also kind of, in 2008, I mean, I was 18 and, and stupid. I voted for Obama. In 2012, I was pre-med in college. I didn't want Obamacare, so I voted for Romney. 2016, 
I was really depressed. I had lost a brother to suicide two years prior. And I was like, oh, I think everyone really does need free mental health care. So I voted for Bernie in the primaries. I didn't even vote in the general election. My life was so fucked up. <laughs> so, like, I didn't even vote. But my logic was is I had always just been... Well, in 2008, I wanted to see stem cell research go through, so Obama. 2012, I didn't want to see Obamacare, so I voted for Romney. Got into medical school, decided not to go, lost a brother to suicide, and was like, okay, so I voted for Bernie in the prime. Didn't vote in the general. My life was just so upside down. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't even a fan of Trump. Like, I, re- I really, it's not that I wasn't a fan. I didn't, I just wasn't paying, my life was upside down. And, um... And in 2020, I voted for Trump. So I have been all over the spectrum. So I like to think that I have uh, a pliable mind. Um, But I remember watching, like, Obama get inaugurated. Uh, I remember being little and, like, watching, like, the hanging chads thing with George Bush. (laughs) So the point is, is, like, I was just watching. And I remember... I remember, like, staying up and seeing, like, Trump win in 2016. And again... I didn't give a shit. So this wasn't some, I wasn't like, MAGA. I was just watching and I was like, oh shit, he's winning. Like, whatever. Um, but 2020 watching. And I remember seeing it and I was like, oh, he didn't blow it out of the water. But I was like, seems like he's squeaking by. Seems like he's getting it. And it was like three in the morning. And I was like. The numbers start changing. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, seems like he's got it. And, um. And then I remember seeing, I forget what stream I was watching, but they're like, huh, they're sending home all, like, the the vote mm-hmm. counters. And, like, I think that, that was the first night I'd ever watched Steven Crowder. And I was just like, and they were like, huh, that's kind of weird. They're shutting it all down for COVID. But they were like, well, you know, this one, it's, you know, it's technically over. It's, like, numerically over. And I was, like, staying up. And I was like, well, that is weird, but whatever. And then, like... I still have the screenshots on my phone where I was, like, screenshotting, like, CNN's, like, Electoral College map, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And, like, one by one, it was like, wait, how are these, like, states, now they're going backwards. And I was like, how are they all freezing? And I was like, the ones that are pausing, I was like, those are all the swing states. And it was, like, four in the morning, five in the morning, and I kept yeah. refreshing. And I was like, oh, my God. And as, like, a student of history, I was like, this is... We're seeing the we're seeing the the other end of the barrel of the CIA right now, and, oh, absolutely. and we've been looking down the trigger for the last seven decades, and now we're seeing the twelve gauge at our face. And I went, "Oh my god!" And I woke up the next morning; they had all paused, and I was like, "I didn't even know what was going to happen." And I was like, yeah. "It's every every hour they found another ballot or a pallet of ballots," and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's this is a coup." And absolutely, but. My hope is it's not that you can only steal an election once. You can always steal an election, um, but the mode in which you steal it, I think yeah. 2020 was they they used. I mean, you blundered with your CIA connection. You blundered into color revolutions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know that term. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's what we just you know we yeah. did that to ourselves. Yeah. So your your point about you know looking at, you know into the barrel yeah. this time instead of pulling the trigger. We've normally uh, been pointing it at South American nations, yeah. European nations, removing communists, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, all the counting stops in the middle of the night, and the cameras go out, and all the news organizations are in lockstep. Bro. You go. There's almost a beauty to it. It's evil. But oh, there's almost but it's so a, well done. Yeah, I know. I you mean, have to almost res- you almost have to respect that you go. Yeah, and see, that's where I've, <laughs> I've become uh, discouraged again, yeah. Tommy. Because when I look at political polling in the tank, 
completely gone as anything other than a weapon. Yeah. When I look at the media with not even the slightest uh, curtain of integrity in the information. I mean, in a normal, whatever that is, but in a normal election cycle, Hunter Biden would have collapsed Joe Biden. You know, Joe Biden would have never made it, you know, on his own. But, you know, so he gets the nomination. Now you got this stuff with Hunter Biden comes out during the campaign. He would be gone. Completely gone. No impact whatsoever. So you got the New York Times, you got the Washington Post, you know, the usual suspects all involved. But they're involved in a different way this time, Tommy, than anything I ever saw. Now, I was born in 1960, the year that Kennedy stole the election from Nixon. (laughs) Right. So I don't remember it well. (laughs) But I, I do know the name Sam Giancana, and I do know that the Illinois vote was completely purloined, and if it weren't for that, it would have been President Nixon instead of President Kennedy. Now, granted the uh, sweat on his lip in the first televised debates, not good, but not enough to turn the election. No way. So, uh, so they stole that election. I won't address how many from then till now. I have no idea, but I know from 19 1960 to 2020, we've got two. So you look at the media's behavior. Now, it's worse. You look at the state legislatures. You look at the state Supreme Courts. You look at the uh, federal Supreme Court, you know, in D.C. And every aspect of that relative to the vote count, all completely corrupt. Even, you know, the Trump appointees to the um, Supreme Court. Those Trump appointees gave him no benefit whatsoever. And when I say him, I really mean us, and I really mean the American vote. You know, I, I would I would feel the same way if they were stealing it from Biden and throwing it to Trump. I would want the Supreme Court to get in there and give it back to Biden if Biden was actually the winner. So it's not because I'm for Trump I'm saying this. I'm telling you that the Trump appointees that are supposed to be conservatives, they wouldn't touch this. And there's no question in my mind or heart that John Roberts is the one telling him, look, there's lots you can do. You can't do this. So you've got the Supreme Court. You've got two impeachments through the Congress, neither one that was even a serious thing, but you got that. Uh, Go all the way back to the Russia hoax and the Farah court back in 2016, uh, the whole General Flynn thing with the Farah court and whatnot. Um, I don't know how much you followed all of that or, uh, yeah, the the whole Russia hoax and then the, um, oh boy, big tall guy uh, with the investigation. Uh, Yes, Mueller, thank you. Needed the help there. Um, so uh, Robert Mueller, that entire structure, it it makes the word serpentine seem like a simple term. Yeah. And, you know, so you got this complex web going Ooh, love, everywhere. A labyrinth. a labyrinth, exactly. And I don't know that it can get pulled apart. So your point, which I think is a fantastic point, they really are going to have a much harder time here in 2022, and then again, especially, I hope, in 2024, uh, doing it the same way. But there are so many ways they can bob and weave. There are so many tools that they've unearthed, and they're so shameless now that I'm not even making the slightest call for what's going to happen. Everybody's saying it's going back Republican here in 22. I'm going, okay, maybe. 
but I don't know. I'm not making any call at all. Yeah, that's the thing was like with 2020, like in 2008, like I wanted Obama to win and he did. In 2012, I wanted Romney to win and he didn't. And no part of me thought it was stolen. I was just like, he lost. No, um, and, and, no he gave it away. It wasn't stolen. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> In 2020, I remember the moment and, he gave it away. <laughs> in, in, for me, with 2020, it's not that I think a large criticism, and, and it's a fair criticism, is that, like, oh, you, you just didn't. It, the same way that no one on the left thought Hillary could possibly lose. And it's like, well, you're living in your own bubble. Yeah. I'm very aware that, yes, it can look like, oh, there's Trump, it was stolen because there's no way he could lose. No, no, no. I get it. I get people can absolutely hate the motherfucker. Like, I, I understand that. I understand that if I'm only looking at pro-Trump blogs, I'm going to live in a bubble. I get that. I completely get There are upsets all the time. There are upsets in sports. There are upsets yes. in everything, right? So I get that. To me, it's not that at all. It's what I saw with my own eyes. It paused yes. and... Re- Insert any two candidates. I don't care. Insert Bush I- v. Gore. Insert Obama v. McCain. It doesn't matter. What happened is it all paused and the swing states went backwards. And then the subsequent influx of votes were like 99.9995%. It just, so it's not that I don't think he could have lost. Sure. A lot, it's a lot of people are, you're allowed to not vote for someone. You're allowed to vote against someone. You're like, you're allowed to do that. It's not, you're allowed to just say, I hate this guy. So based on that, Based on that and based on historical patterns, you would imagine it would move back towards red in 2022 just because it always seems to do that. Yeah. And I would imagine logically you'd look at inflation and people are going to be angry. I don't – again, I guess my positivity or or optimism comes from, yes, although it's a labyrinthian complex of they can do anything. They can fuck you six ways from Sunday – yeah. There's also not just not only do they steal the election and you can't really do that again, but I mean now the media as a whole has kind of lost all credibility with with COVID. It came from a lab. If you said it came from a lab, you're out of here. You're banned. If you said it's you know if you said this that or the other thing, you're banned. Yeah, and uh, I don't watch Fox anymore. No, no, but every, we've lost everything. The, the right wing media. But that's what. But opinion. that's what I mean. Across the yeah. board, you're having people go. Ivermectin's horse paste. They're like, oh well, I guess it kind of. I mean, within one week, they went from there are no U- there are no U.S. bio labs in Ukraine. That's a conspiracy theory. Within like four days, it was like there are U.S. labs in Ukraine. Here's why that's a good thing. And it's like, dude, like the time between the time between calling things a far right conspiracy and then becoming a fact went from like five years to five months to five days. So, yes. again, left and right, and with with censorship on Facebook. On Twitter, I'm permanently banned mm. from YouTube. For yeah, I didn't even talk about that. Yeah, Ooh. but that's what I mean is, so across the board, you're also having the rejection of their ability to peddle a narrative. So it's not just stealing the election. It's the many ways in which that labyrinth works. It seems like they're burning a lot of their of their weapons. So you're now coming down to, like, how are they going to steal it? How can you? Yep. Short I got of a like, more yeah, bad news bombs to hit you with. Sure, <clears throat> it's one thing to burn through a weapon, and it's another thing to collect ripe fruit. Yeah, it could well be that by the time we got to twenty twenty, 
the structures, the infrastructure of their destruction of our democracy based on First Amendment, free speech rights and voting freedom had become so mature that it was easy for them to do. I'll give you an example. Um, What do they they call them? And all the universities have got these Chinese funded departments. Thank you. Second time today you've done that for me. I love you. (laughs) But but I hate that. Anyway, um, these Confucian Institutes, right? How long have they been pouring millions upon uncountable millions of dollars into our education system so that all the people being graduated have been to as close a degree as possible programmed to be favorable to Chinese communist Chinese communism socialism radical left-wing agenda anti-americanism I mean you know take it on down the line we've got three or four generations of education that has fallen under that with a cumulative impact and a greater and greater reach into the entire infrastructure. I say entire infrastructure. What are we talking about there? Well, we're talking about the staffs of the universities. We're talking about all the professors, all of the administration, but way beyond that, go to the think tanks, go to any think tank, you know, heritage or anybody else. Uh, You know, it's purportedly going to have a concern, you know, the, the ones on the conservative side, they're filled with people who got their PhDs and their uh, master's degrees in international studies from these exact same institutions. So it spreads throughout the whole society. Uh, You take a look at uh, something like the New York Times or the Washington Post again. They used to have these extraordinary staffs. They all leaned left. They were all, you know, Democrats in their hearts, or at least the vast majority. But they had this thing of objectivity that they had to either at least fake or better yet strive toward journalistic integrity used to be something how do we even get to use those two words together in one sentence anymore journalistic integrity they're now uh, ranked with uh, used car salespeople by way of credibility so if you look at all these various aspects uh let me throw one more in i've been by the way, you were mentioning about your flexibility and openness of mind. When I was in college, now this is all the way back in the 1980s. When I was in college, I was absolutely a socialist. I wasn't a communist, but I never saw a pretty girl go into the Communist Party meeting. Had I, I would probably have been a communist. <laughs> but I mean, so I read the Communist Manifesto my freshman year in college, no, sophomore year, sophomore year in college. And I'm like, yes, 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 I total agreement, except for two points wipe out the family and use violence to tear down every institution in society. And I'm going, uh, no, I, you know, I lean these guys ways, but that's too far. We're not going to tear down the family. We're not going to use violence to wipe out every institution in the society so that, you know, the proletariat of the uh, working class can take over. I didn't go that far. I just, I couldn't go that far. Now, fast forward, summer of 2020, what do we see? We see violence in the streets over an election in a manner I don't believe we've ever seen before. Now, maybe you're going to say correlation as opposed to causation, but come on. The, the, you know, all of the violence in the streets in the summer of 2020, that was programmed. That was purchased and paid for. That was structurally infused into our society that, that wasn't organic that again no. <laughs> that was that was we were seeing the other end of the cia that's it so all of these things tommy 
they break my heart. Uh, that's a great point, man. It might not be that they've burned these uses. It might just be like, no, the machine's finally online. <laughs> like, that is you know, actual real fear. Yeah, and it, like, and it petrifies me. Yeah, I mean, I've got in a negative way chills running up and down my arms right now because I hate this so much. Yeah, no, and it, I hate being the guy telling you this. I don't want to be the guy telling you this. No, no, it's it. <laughs> it does seem that way, but there's also. But I, I want to be wrong. Yeah. In, like in every which way. I wish I was wrong about all my facts. I know I'm not, but I wish I was. Yeah. And I wish I was wrong about all of my interpretations. And and I think that what I really want, and I got to have you hear me say this, I want, and I kind of think I do, I want to agree with you. And I kind of think I do, because you cannot push an entire society that far, that fast, in spite of going back these generations through the upper educational system. That doesn't change the beating heart of America herself. There is a beating heart of America. We awakened in 2016 in the MAGA movement. And although there have been all kinds of self-inflicted wounds on our side and continue to be... uh, really it's not time to cry in our soup it's really not uh it's time to you know like pour some milk on the cereal and have breakfast again yeah but i mean (laughs) but you're seeing i mean but you are seeing a lot of people who are it's moving from you know there's like kind of like two forms of it one you kind of have these like luxury issues uh, you know gay marriage Abortion should weed be legal? Those are all things that everyone can argue about when the wallet is still fat and everything else is fine. Those are things we can all scream about when you can then go home and go play Xbox or whatever. In that way, though, there aren't those issues don't matter when it comes down to vaccine mandates. Those issues don't matter when there's eight percent inflation. All of a sudden, you're seeing this very real. It's coming home and it's touching you. Yeah. Instead of going, well, I'm a guy. I don't need an abortion. All of a sudden, you go, hey, man, it costs more to, it, you know, the chicken at Walmart costs. You go, oh, oh, fuck. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on. You can be apolitical. Hey, your bananas cost more. So on that sense, yes. we now have issues coming home, and it's not just. Well, you know, if you want the vaccine, you can get it. Now it's like, whoa, 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 I work at Radio Shack. Why do I have to get this experimental thing? You're now having people getting banned from, you're having people like me getting banned from YouTube. And you're going, wait, wait, what? So you have these, on one hand, you have issues coming home and touching you. All right. On the other, and then on another aspect of this, another sort of symptom is, is you have the, people share images or change their profile picture on on social media or put up a bumper sticker to now you're actually seeing movement you're seeing people leave new york and go to florida you're seeing people leave california and go to texas you're seeing the manifestation of people it's no longer just "Ah, i hate this place well why don't you move well you know i got a good job i got you know it's we kind of wear it on our sleeve and then it doesn't really matter in the same way that "Ah, i'll scream about abortion and then it's okay whatever but when inflation hits and at the same time you now have people leaving los angeles they're going you can't do it anymore san francisco going i cannot be a part of this anymore yes it's the cracks are too important and too large to ignore anymore and that is you can kind of fuck around at the edges you can kind of if you're working at some massive corporation and maybe you embezzle five dollars once a week or something 
no one's gonna notice. And you can get away, and even if they do notice, they're probably going, whatever, the guy brings in $50,000 of business a year, let him take the pencil or the stapler. When you start taking too much, right is when people notice no one no one cares yeah. if you use a counterfeit 20 but if you're bernie madoff and you start taking from the wrong people you end up dead so in yes. that sense i think you can fuck around the edges so long as the middle class is strong and you have money you can run up the defense contracting bills you can do that and do the other thing no one cares because you can thousand dollar market. toilet seats <laughs> but now but now it's coming home now it it's is. now it's real, and I guess that's where my hope. And not only that, we also are in this absurd time of a technological parallel, where it's not just you get shut out from the media. Now you can just go, oh, "I'm going to make my own podcast." Now you have Rogan exactly. who just goes, "I don't need to be here anymore. I'll leave." Now you just have you know Elon just going, "I'm just going to hell with Tom Brokaw. I'll be Tom Brokaw." But that's what I mean. Is you have guys, yeah. you have guys like me. Hi, Tom. Yeah. Well, I'm Tom. It's, <laughs> Well, now you have guys like me that can sit down and I can contact Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone. I can interview these people. And it's like, there's this whole parallel thing forming now. I mean, even with cryptocurrency, now people are just, well, I don't need the U.S. dollar. There's this weird, so it's, it's the issues are now home, inflation. People are now physically moving their lifestyles from California and New York to Florida and, uh, and Texas. And then number three there's a genuine way to fight back and not in the way of taking up arms, but in the way of, I can get my own camera, my own microphone, you can ban me from YouTube, I'll go to Rumble, whatever. I'll use my own So way you actually to... have more voice, not less. So that's what I mean, is like, there are all these weird ways in which their machine may have reached maturity, but there's this whole other thing that's also kind of reaching maturity. That's a brilliant point you're making, man. So that's just uh, my I... optimism. Wow, your optimism has a lot of good, solid foundation, which I need. <laughs> so another point you made earlier uh, today about after 9-11, you know, they're still going to do terrorism, but they're not selling no, planes and flying them in disguise great. That's done. Yes, that's that's a brilliant point. Now, I thought about that point, you know, a little bit older than you. 9-11 really did change my life. Yeah. It really, really did. Um, so, uh, and I remember that moment, and I've always had my own way of interpreting it, and I'm going to share that in a second, and, but I'm going to build on that with what you just said. And that's this. I turned to Kate. Kate's my wife. She pulls me out of my office. I've, I've been working out of my own home since 1987. So I tell everybody I was pre-COVIDed by 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, she comes, pulls me out of my office to come down and watch Toppers on that morning. Yeah. And we're watching this happen. And I see the two towers go down. And I remember turning to Kate and I say, honey, they got more than they bargained for. They are going to suffer now, having taken down these two buildings in Manhattan, the full weight and force of not only America, but America's entire global reach is going to come down on these people now in ways they cannot even think or imagine. When they've been poking us up until now, they've been poking us in the shoulder. You don't want to poke the giant in the eye. Yeah. You just you don't want to do that. And I told her that they would suffer and that the power of government against terrorism just shifted. 
I saw that in the very moment that it occurred, and I was right about that. Um, but what you've just added is a, a whole layer on top of that. So not only are they not going to fly planes in the towers again, there comes a moment when your success has brought attention to you, and that changes the entire nature of the playing field. So if we stick with my depressing, uh, you know, uh, the machine is now online and, you know, the, it's generating its, its results. If we, if we look at that one more time through your more optimistic eyes, what I can see is that it may be that the machine has come online, but it's come online for the previous condition. Yeah, fighting It's the not online for today's condition. And no system ever does do that. All systems adapt to what just happened. They don't know what's gonna, they don't even know what's going on right now or happening. They're adapting to what just happened or what happened previously. And especially when you take a look and, you know, so I'm reading, you know, as I told you, Communist Manifesto, it's like 1981. I'm reading it, it was published in, what was it, 1848 or 44, whatever year it was. And, you know, I'm seeing, uh, then now I'm rereading it and it's 2020 and you know, or 2018 is when I was rereading it again, really intensely. I've seen you know, 160 years worth of development. It's scary as hell to me, right? Yeah. But it's development for what they've known all along. It's not development for today. So nothing in the communist manifesto prepares anybody on their side for what you and I are doing right this very minute. Yeah. It's, um, it's I, I point to this this example a lot of the the F one seventeen Nighthawk, the first stealth fighter. Um, yeah, and how it how do you was, not love those things? Uh, they're incredible, oh, but it's it's, so it's, awesome. it's its power was so unique and game changing that yes. it, that it they wanted to only use it for incredibly important missions and uh, and under Reagan, uh, Secretary of Defense Casper Weinberger, un, well, under that Defense Department. They wanted to use the F-117 to go take out Gaddafi, and it was initially greenlit, and then uh, Weinberger came down and said, like, no, we're not using it. And they were like, well, why not? And they were like, as much as we want Gaddafi gone, we don't want the Soviets to know that we have the F-117, because half its power comes from the fact that you don't know about it. Because as soon as you know about exactly a weapon, right. you can start... You can start reacting to the weapon half the power of a weapon comes from the fact that you don't know what to pe uh, prepare against right so he, they're like we're going to use these other planes that they're quick whatever and they're like well if we hit if we don't hit Gaddafi like he's going to get away and then he's going to hide and sure enough the the attack failed and Gaddafi did go into hiding but Far they, better that that occurred than the other route but they one would rather right. have this one third world dictator get away sure that kind of embarrassed us but we'd rather the bigger monster, the Soviets, not know we have the F-117. Absolutely right. Because Do you know the, but, the story? But hold on. So the, because the Soviets were continuing to, much like the space race where we, we kind of bankrupted then trying to get to the moon, they didn't know we had stealth. So they were dumping all of their money into just continuing to build surface-to-air missiles and radars because that's mm. how they successfully took down the U-2 with Gary Powers. So we were like, ah, hey. No yeah, and yeah. then they at the SR-71, they could still see it. It just went really fast. They were building bigger and faster missiles. And we were like, hey, 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 let them keep thinking that's where we're going. Because logically, you go, the U-2 goes this high and this fast. The SR-71 goes higher and faster. So the Soviets are going, we just got to start calibrating for height and speed. They don't know about the F-117, this big clunky piece of shit that doesn't even go supersonic. It looks like a cardboard cutout. 
they don't know about it. They're dumping all their money into this. This is a decades-long Cold War. Don't let them know about stealth. And they didn't. And then once they did, everyone starts developing stealth, and now the arms race continues, and you got to create the next gen, the next gen, the next gen, right? Yeah. So my logic is, is like, every time you use a weapon, yeah, you, you're you, absolutely you've lost, right. You've lost fifty percent of its lethality right there. I'm feeling, if not a hundred percent, at least seventy percent better now than I was before we started this conversation. Well, it might all just be my own delusion to try to be optimistic. Well, then you got two people in your delusion. Hell yeah, man, it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. sorry. I was going to ask you: Do you know the story behind the hunt for Red October? Are you familiar with the hunt for Red October? Yeah. Uh, you know that that was an actual Triton submarine yeah. that really did defect, uh-huh. that really did come streaming into you know the uh, Delaware River up there in Connecticut, exactly like at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, at the time a trillion dollar machine. Yeah. But that wasn't the real thing. It's that we had the machine intact. Yeah. So we knew every aspect of their technology and the people, you know, on the drawing boards over in Moscow and whatnot, uh, they're going, that's a decade or more. It's more than just the money. It's the time. It's the expertise. It's the mastery. So somebody spends 30 years developing their PhD level work and on and on and on that goes into some little tiny part of the Triton submarine. Well, that 30 years now is accessible to a 30 year old in Annapolis. Yeah, it's gone now. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm getting excited now. Yeah. So, but that's what I mean is so when they do a move, like taking the 2020 election it's like okay it's using the f-117 brilliant no one saw it coming you got it okay but now now now, Hmm. you just burned your ace and that's that's your ace killed but now what do you have you know you can only you can only do a trick play like a and like the nfl you can only do a trick play once and then it's not a trick anymore it's done. Uh, again, I, I've got another connection for you uh, because I got involved and, you know, I was doing emails back and forth between me and uh, General Flynn and the campaign. Uh, I'm obviously on every email list you know, the Republican Party has. Right. So I get between 30 and 50 emails a day from this, that or the other about President Trump. Probably, probably it's even more. You know, I just mostly I just delete them all. But every once in a while, there's something I take a look at uh, at any rate. But I've noticed that as the um, months have turned now into almost a couple of years of the Biden administration, Trump's, and I, I was reading about this as well, Trump's email-based, which is an old technology, his email-based fundraising has gone beyond anything that has ever existed in American political history before. He has completely stolen the real power and heft from the billionaires who can, you know, give these huge chunks of money, but they expect all this stuff in return for the one and the five and the $10 contributors that had, so he's democratized. I, everybody did. Obama was really good at this. So it, it's a long trend. I don't want to give Trump all sure. the credit, but I, you know, I'm not trying to pile on credit on Trump. However, he is taking it places it's never been taken to before. And they are making money here before the midterms and you know they're building their war chest for 24 like has never been done before and i think that this is a huge i mean i feel like i can look at that now through your 
perspective that I couldn't be for this conversation. Because I've been away. I mean, okay, I know he likes making money. You know, I know he's having fun with the emails and he doesn't have a nation to run. So what the hell else is he going to do with his time and effort and ego and all that? Right? Um, and so he's doing, but I know there's got to be something else. And I think that he, in his strategic vision, and by the way, I think he's a strategic genius. I really, really believe that. Uh, and I have a little bit closer access than most upon which to base that. But at any rate, um, I'm going, this, this has a strategic feeling to it. It doesn't just feel tactical. Like now I used to get, you know, five or 10. Now I get 50 or 70 emails a day. Like why? And I'm going, there's something going on. I think that they've made the same analysis as you, that you can't throw the election to Biden and Harris a second time in 24 the way you did in 20. Yeah. And, you know, let's say that Biden is gone by them. He's senile. You know, we section 25 him or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 25th Amendment. Uh, so, you know, it's Harris and whomever. You cannot push those same people down America's throat the way you'd pushed Biden and Harris down in 20. I, I think your point is really, it's gaining resonance in my soul and in my mind. It's, it's again, it's, no one ever has complete, like, top-down. Every time anyone's ever thought that they had the game figured out and it was over, yep. it, it, it just, it's never worked. I mean, what was it in the early 1900s when all those scientists, I think, there's some quote, I forget who it's from. I, I want to say it's like Max Planck. It might be someone else. But they said science is pretty much over. We've pretty much discovered anything Lord, now. The, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and it's um, like now all it's the guy with the temperature. Uh, Plank? Not, not, not no, Fahrenheit, not Plank. the other guy. The, not Plank. Kel- it wasn't Kel- Plank. Kelvin? That's it. It's like we've 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 basically figured out everything. Yeah, now yeah, we just have to find. Done. Now everything else is going to be like you know uh, refining our calculations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, these... <laughs> and we're on the the you know the the verge of the greatest scientific discovery to compare against the whole rest of history before. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's a bunch of jackasses in top hats, dry, like taking a horse and buggies, and they're like, "We've figured out the game," and it's like. <laughs> Dude, do you even do you know even know what Wi-Fi is? Like, but that's what I mean. Is so like whenever anyone ever has the audacity to think that they've had it figured out, they don't have it figured out. And not only that, you, another thing you have to remember is when you steal an election, you are at your weakest point. Yes, and your enemy is at their strongest point. Because yes. why else would you have to steal it? Exactly right. So, and not only that, though. Yes. You don't want anyone to come to that conclusion. So, what are you going to do? You're going to demoralize them. You're going to have people thinking they've figured it out. They've stolen the election. It can't be beaten anymore. Right. They'll never be a Republican president again. Exactly. You want them to think you can't possibly do anything about it. The reality is, is they're weaker than they've ever been, and people are seeing that, and they're seeing it's becoming more and more apparent in everyday life because it's bleeding into every other aspect. You're like, why can't Elon buy Twitter? And they're like, well, this the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is stepping in, and you have people going, e- yeah, what? So, <laughs> you have all these liberals who are going. Who's it's it's not like some other billionaire stepped in and was like Elon Musk is bad. You're going, hey, the kingdom of Saud and BlackRock of wait, what are we <coughs> fucking cheering for? Like, but you know what I mean? It's like I do. You're like, what's yes? What are we actually? It's like you guys are against the the electric car 
space rocket man who just a month ago is a hero for providing space-based internet to Ukraine, and we're <laughs> against him because King Talaweed said <laughs> you're having this exactly. the cognitive dissonance. It's starting to buckle under its own weight, and you still have some people who are like, no, it can it can work, and it's I I don't and again maybe I'm just being optimistic. I just I think the system is is rotting, but the system will never broadcast that it's losing. You have to remember that. I mean, Hitler gave out the Nero decree in like the final days of his life up until the very And why would it be called the Nero decree? Yeah. For the exact same reason. Yeah. They were his generals were giving him false reports because they they didn't want to be kicked out of the Führer bunker. They up until the very end, people they still thought they had it. They still thought they had some wunder weapons that they were going to win the whole thing with. And it wasn't yes. until the Soviet tanks were rolling through the rubble and they heard the bang from the you know Hitler and Eva Braun that all of a sudden they went, oh, it's over. There was no, no one was. You have to remember that years before the war was over, the top uh, the top rocket scientist uh, 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 Rudolf. Werner von Braun, uh, yes. and then you have the, the chemist, Otto Ambrose, you had the doctors, uh, Kurt Bloma. Um, they were all stashing away blueprints of not just rockets, but everything they were working on because they knew they needed bargaining chips for eventually when the Soviets and or the Americans came in. Because otherwise, yes. they knew damn well they were going to be hung for what they did with the, uh, the concentration camps. But they had bargaining chips, very intelligent. Oh yes, but they were they were hiding these things in the mountains and in hills as early as 1942, 1943. Wow! So Hitler, yeah. So Hitler, yeah. Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson is fantastic. Hitler's top guys, the true believers, they knew that the Reich was most likely going to go down 36 months before it did. So you got to remember that it. It, the yeah. Reich never put out press releases that said, hey, well, we think this thing's over. No, up until the final moments of his life, which actually, tomorrow, tomorrow is his death, well, is his death anniversary, I didn't even realize that, 420. But up until the very last moment, we had to go in there and we're like, do they have wonder weapons? We don't know. And then it's once right. it's over and it's hindsight and it's 80 years later, we can dig through the history and we go, oh, this thing was rotting three years before, but you didn't know. In hindsight, we can look at Imperial Japan and we realized how angry the people were when the, the emperor would ride around in his Rolls Royce. But at the time, it seemed like this immovable force that we were going to have to use a million lives on and we eventually had to drop two nukes on. And then in hindsight, we go, oh, this thing was broken. It's never until we look back on it that you realize the thing was... Yeah, that's really interesting. But uh, part sorry, of my... the, I'll, I'll wrap that up. The, the point <laughs> of this is, is we'll never know until decades from now. We'll look back and we'll be like, do you remember when we thought that the 2020 election signified the end of America? Like, little did we know, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right now, it seems like a monolith. They can smash anything on social media that they want. They can impose mandates. They can fucking t take an election. They can shut down the Supreme Court. They can do it. Oh my God, the boogeyman. Uh, history shows us this isn't optimism. This is based in history. History yep. shows us the grand right. wall of the Soviet Union. And then in 1991, it just falls. And then we look in the history, we go, oh, that thing was crumbling for decades. But they're never going to, the thing that's dying, it's the exact opposite of the Titanic. It doesn't send out an SOS. All of a sudden, it right. just goes, bloop.
and it goes underwater and you go, where the fuck Where'd did it go? Happen? Yeah. Sorry wow. for that rant, but that's no, I- no, no, no. You rant good. And so I got to give you both a compliment and a question slash recommendation. All right. All right. You know, I already told you I was born in 1960. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not a young guy. But for an old guy, I'm kind of young-ish. <laughs> and I'm usually the guy with a little bit more uh, effervescence and optimism in the room than most other people my age. And so I've been hearing for decades now, you know, we need the fresh insight of the young people. I'm like, no, I'll give you my fresh insight. <laughs> I don't need no young. Right now I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like you do have a young man's optimism that I'm in uh, risk of growing old and past and cynical as I age and that I like, oh, damn, I really am getting old. I need what this guy has to say. (laughs) So that's a huge compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. Second is the question slash recommendation. I believe in the tremendous power of the written word. As opposed to this wonderful conversation we're having, which I hope as many people enjoy as possible, but when you put something down in documented form, it's got a kind of stickiness to it. Yeah. Uh, and so I do believe, you know, our book here, et cetera, the written analysis that I sent in in 2016 and that sort of thing. And I have not read an optimistic analysis at all, like what you've given us today in this conversation, let alone with the genius of your ideas and the solidity of your historical reasoning. I I haven't seen anything like that. So my question slash recommendation, do you write? Do you ever post your analysis in written form? And if not, man, I wanna read your analysis. Uh, You're an analyst. I've, I've always loved writing, but I've found that the act of putting it from my mind to paper, there's a bottlenecking effect. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot more. I, I when this podcast started, I didn't know if we were going to talk about politics or if we were going to talk. I truly had no idea. So yeah. like, I find it's better for me to just run the camera and okay. and capture oh. it when it gets captured. Um, All right. Well, now I'm going to push you a little because uh, okay, recommend question recommendation. Now I'm going to like push you. This is not an either or thing. All right. It's a both and. Not an either or. And as fabulous as this interactive conversation is, and I've loved every minute of it, and I will remember this. I will remember this encounter. Uh, You have really helped me more than you can know. You have really helped me. And I believe that there are many people in my shoes that if they're watching this, they're going to have been helped by your analysis. I I really mean that. Uh, So you've got that. You're not going to lose it. And it's not an either or proposition. There are times when you need to go away and, you know, to use the old phrase, sharpen your pencil, which means sharpen your thinking, right? And get it done on paper. And it's going to be ugly. By the way, I started uh, writing pretty much every day in my professional life. I'm a business coach professionally uh, back in the year 2000. So it's, you know, where I'm at now is 22 years later of pretty much writing every single day. And I don't think people started actually liking anything that I wrote until like around 2009 and then, you know, bit by bit more and more. And then the thing that has improved my writing more than anything else has been Twitter. 
So in 2018, because of my uh, work in connection to General Flynn, got involved in something we created, a social media movement called uh, Free Flynn Now or Pardon Flynn Now. And we, we went back and forth between that and Pardon Flynn Now is where we ended up laying down our whole endeavor. In fact, and, and uh, there is a pardon Flynn, uh, now.com. You can go check it out. All of my analyses are there. And I did the historical analysis to, to find how the pardon could work constitutionally. And I found it to be, uh, and I don't know if you'll find this interesting or not, a gap in our constitutional structure, because the power of pardon is one of the greatest and most vast of the entire presidential toolbox of yeah. you know instruments, and yet it's the one with the least amount of thought, analysis, and writing in the Constitution. And what I believe they did wrong, and I really believe it was just an oversight, because they just, you know, they had so little time, they'd done so much, et cetera, is that they didn't put a pardon of innocence in. And so the entire basis of the now it's not limited to this. They don't say somebody must be guilty in order to be pardoned. They just assume that it's assumptive right in the structure. Like, why would you pardon somebody who wasn't guilty? And why would you pardon an innocent person? And my answer, I'm going like, yo, yo, you got a corrupt judicial system over here. You got corrupt judges, corrupt system in every corrupt prosecution. Oh my God, prosecution corrupt out the wazoo. And if the president is not allowed to be an executive stop on that, you've got justice run amok and it's not gonna get corrected. And so we put forward, I say we, there's an amazing gal. Uh, uh, maybe we should make the introduction between you and Tamara Lee. She's a very close and dear friend. And she and I and my wife, Kate, and some other people were behind this movement. And we put together the analysis. And then when President Trump generated the pardon for General Flynn, the phrase, and it was Tamara who came up with the phrase pardon of innocence. She's the one who came up with that. Um, he used that exact phrase in the pardon. First and only time so far in American history that that phrase pardon of innocence is in a presidential pardon. Never been done before. And so I don't know what will happen into the future, but if they, if we grab hold of that, I think we can correct some of what's so wrong in the imbalance of justice and its application in our society thereby. Uh, how did I get onto that? <laughs> uh, there was a reason. Writing, for, oh, writing, writing, writing. I did all of this in writing. Okay. And so my um, in 2018 is when I got started. I, I had a Twitter account going back to 2009. I didn't do anything with it. I didn't like Twitter. And Twitter is not appealing to me at all. And so I had this like, ooh, do I have to even look? Nah, I'm not going to. But in 2018, I saw it. And so Tamara, again, was my teacher because she was incredibly powerful on Twitter and had been involved back in 2016 when the social media movement at Twitter was so much more powerful in helping get President Trump elected than people have remembered. Now, the big tech people know that, you know, they know that and corrected against it in 2020, as we've discussed. But at any rate, so in 2018, I got involved and I started writing these things called threads. I don't know if you're much of a Twitter person or if you uh, follow them. I'm like, slowly, do you know what I'm talking I'm about? Slowly understood, like within the last couple of months, I'm slowly figuring out Twitter. Yeah. So what you do, I mean, if you want to be a thread writer, which I became, and I became, I'll brag, I think I'm pretty good at it. At any rate, uh, you, you post your, you know, you put your little comments in 
you know, whatever the number of characters are, you post that and then you hit reply to your own yeah, tweet. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a, yeah. And then, and what I do with mine is I number them. So yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. lots of people do it. Uh, so one, uh, you know, uh, and parent, and then my thoughts, two, blah, 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 on down. And then I always say at the bottom, all right, today's analysis ends at number 25 or whatever it is. And so I started doing that, and it you know, obviously evolved over time. But that, I believe, has refined my writing because writing in paragraph chunks, like small paragraph chunks, where I've got to keep it to one thought in that space, and then I've got to make my, my chain link on all of the logical connections in the flow from one thought to the next. It's got to be there. Uh, now, there's a lot of times that I really don't do it right, but, you know, it's always a learning process. That, I believe, has done more to improve my writing than any other thing since I got started in 2000. Yeah. Um, and what I'm telling you is, if I saw that you posted a thread, I would read that thread. Maybe I should just get, maybe I should get like a program to just start auto transcribing my podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if that'll work or not, no, but if it works, all. great. I wasn't impressed by the idea. No, but no, no, <laughs> it's, it's the laziest out ever. It, yeah. No. no, but seriously, your optimism, I mean, I would have you call it. Tommy's 2022 optimism. But it's, to me, it's it's not even, I mean, I have to be optimistic just like personally, like just suffering, like just fighting depression. It's just like, I have to, I don't have a I, I already um, knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tommy, but, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, <clears throat> it, for me, it kind of comes down to this is like uh, last, last, probably about a year ago, I interviewed uh, Bing West, who's the, the biographer for General Mattis. He's like friend. He's friends with them. I think he's worked in the Reagan administration. Sure. Um, he he wrote Mattis's book, uh, Call Sign Chaos, and in it, uh, General Mattis has two quotes that really kind of stuck with me. And it's number one. Um, they're not at all related in the book, but to me, they they seemed related. It's uh, it's if you have not read hundreds of nonfiction fiction books, you are functionally illiterate. Nonfiction historical. Wow. Sorry, if you have not read hundreds of nonfiction historical books, you're functionally illiterate. And then the other quote was, "Intuition is subconscious pattern recognition. Nothing more, nothing less." So to me, I, wow. I looked at it as this: like, you know, like why do we use captchas? You know, select all the squares that have a streetlight in it. You know, to find out whether or not you're whatever. They don't just use those and throw them away. They also capture all of that data and they use that to train AI. So AI can recognize images. And the more tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of millions of sample sets it has, the more accurate yeah, the, yeah, the more accurate the AI becomes. So yes. my logic was this. If you so your brain is intelligence and you're using pattern recognition, right? Some of it's conscious. Yes. I recognize you. I interviewed you versus like, where have I seen that face before? You know, just that gut feeling. And what Matt, right. what Mattis says, and I would imagine a guy that's risen to his stature, it's probably based in, you know, he's a warfare expert, that intuition isn't just some ethereal thing. What it is, is it's, it's an estimated guess from the unconscious parts of your brain. So how do you improve those unconscious guesses? You want to feed as much data into that machine as you can. So yes. I had kind of started in like 2020, just as a wit, I'd be interviewing authors and I'd listen to audiobooks. But after I listened to, after I heard those two quotes, probably about last April, I was like, 
I need to just start plugging in as much nonfiction data as I can. So, okay. So every every day I, I I wake up, I go to the gym, come back and get ready for the podcast. But there's about a two hour window, and I listen to audio books on two and a half speed, and I get in as much as I can. And every week I'm it's my it's my goal that I knock out a nonfiction historical book. So within the last cool. year I've knocked out it's been about a year a little over like fifty two historical it's mostly awesome. like cold war to, or world war two to now but the point is is when you have all of this data now i can feel that and what you've can, been telling me you today. can start looking at it and all of a sudden the optimism isn't just wishful optimism you start to go wait no 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 this isn't even really optimism now i'm just looking historically this is what happened <laughs> and it's so, so that's where it comes from and then there is kind of like and then there's your own tint well you could if you're a negative person, you could probably find the negative patterns as well. Uh, you know, sure. censorship ultimately leads to genocide. Uh, well, there's another one. That's, you know, that's <laughs> good. But so my optimism really for the most, even if I hated Trump and I wanted the election to be stolen, I'd be sitting here going, I, I don't think it's going to work anymore because this is what happens. <laughs> so like, it's not. So I guess my point is, is like, yeah, I don't great. want, you, I don't want, if because you said it helped you, I don't want you to in an hour or two go, oh, maybe I got swept up in optimism. Oh no, 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 uh, no. Everything I'm saying is is is. Based I've read on, as many books as Mavis has read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's everything is based, <laughs> and I never started reading really or listening to audiobooks until like a year or two ago. I just I never cared, and now I just yeah. plow through every book I right now. I'm listening to a book on the X-15, the rocket plane from the. And awesome. there are little notes in there that you find. There are little lessons you find. Yes. So my point is, is like I am optimistic, and it's it's based in what I believe to be factual evidence that there's awesome. reason to be optimistic. Who knows? I got something to hit you with. You're gonna love this. Sure. At Twitter, I just opened up a month ago a brand new account under at I am the Graph Man, and what it is, and it's called. And I've, I've put a hashtag to it, hashtag Sun Tzu for business. I've now posted 12 threads there, but I've also recorded them at SoundCloud. So at SoundCloud, I've got Sun Tzu for business. And you can go and you can, and so they're just like 20 or 25 point, uh, they're between seven and nine minutes are each of these meditations I've done. And if you have not been introduced to Sun Tzu yet, you're going to fall in love. Oh, and if boy. you have been introduced but didn't fall in love then, you'll fall in love now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sun Tzu is my guy. Yeah. And I've, and this, by the way, now after one month of this, I'm projecting it outward. Looks like it's about a five-year project. Oh, <laughs> it's going to take me about. So what I do is I, I write up a commentary for each verse. There's a total of 385 verses, and I will write a commentary for every single one of those. Hell, yeah. Um, what I was going to say is... Uh, to kind of go on what we were saying about um about historical things uh another thing i look at and this this is a little more wishful optimism okay but i do You're allowed. i do look at yeah it's it, it, it's okay to dream i do look at things like the uh, the book raven rock all about the uh nuclear bunkers from fdr through obama written by Garrett Graff. I've interviewed him twice. It was the best-selling book on Audible in 2019, I think. 
Absolutely wow. insane. It's all about the continuity of government. It's about sure. the, the second in command through like the fiftieth in command. It's about the preparation. It wow. Was, What's the name of the book again? Raven Rock. That's one of the Raven, Oh, Raven Rock. Of course. Yeah. yeah it's, okay. Yeah, Site R. It's it's you know it's all about Nora. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Greenbrier Hotel. It's all, about all hundreds of bunkers. I mean, really from. Even back to Eisenhower, you realized how oh, fleshed yeah. out this thing was, and then I mean, boggles your mind at the the levels of intricacy it has. Um, in the fifties, yeah, the interstate highway system was designed for its benefit. Oh yeah, that's why every five mi- every 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 X number of miles, there has to be a five mile strip that's straight because they could clear the median and turn it into a makeshift runway, so that if there's an invading force, we could just keep backing up and we could sabotage our own airfields and then just use the Eisenhower interstate system as air- fabulous. It, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, wow. it, it, it'll, it'll blow your mind. I mean, oh yeah, I'm gonna read it. it, it, it it's it's <laughs> you sold that book. It's 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 my fa- it's my favorite nonfiction book. It'll melt your brain at the level of intricacies of things they had. I mean, they had wow. these twenty five thousand foot long uh, wires that they could spool out the back of a plane, and then the plane would do mile lo- mile wide circumference. Uh, uh, circling patterns and it would turn the 25,000 foot uh, wire into a coil and that coil could actually act as a makeshift antenna deployable anywhere in the sky that they could then use to broadcast extremely low frequency signals to United States submarines so that X days into a thermonuclear exchange, even if all of mainland America was wiped out, we could put this plane anywhere in the sky. And that was just one. I think it, I forget what it was called. Wow. But the but the point is, is there are so many. It'll melt your brain at the number of contingency plans they awesome. have for everything. Awesome. That when I look at when this was developed in the Cold War, everything was taken into account including sabotage, I can't help but think. I mean, if you're looking at America tactically, you can't, it, it's it's in between two oceans, biggest military in the history of man, you can't take it down. Well, what would you logically have to do? You'd have to destroy it from within, right? And what's the weakest point? The weakest point is you don't need to take on every tank. You just gotta steal an election. Then you take control and then you can top down demolish it, right? Cru- yeah, here's a book you gotta add to your list. But, Unrestricted Warfare. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, know this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read it? Yeah, by the two Chinese generals. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. That's the um, child of Sun Tzu's art of war from 2,300 years previously. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Brigadier General uh, Robert Spaulding's book, Stealth War, uh, I yes. had him on in 2020. All, it's kind of the it's the use wow. of it, right? But but the, the point of what I'm saying about, like, Raven Rock is... If you can't take down this thing, the weakest spot would be. I mean, Khrushchev said that you know communism will the the flag will raise in the United States, but be raised by its own citizens. My logic is this: if me, a thirty-one-year-old who's just read a couple or listened to a couple audiobooks, can look at the the continuity of government structure and realize that they prepared for everything, I can't help but think, and this is where the wishful comes in. That yeah. some paranoid general, and they were fucking paranoid, in the last seven decades probably floated the idea, 
hey, what if a small group of people, instead of taking us taking us on militarily, just captured the media and then stole an election? Because then they could just break. Yeah, they have done this work. That's the bad news. Well, yeah, and I know them. You know. Okay. Well, Um, that's my is I can't help it. They have, and it's not encouraging. Yeah. Well, Uh, there was in in November of 2020, General Thomas McInerney. Yeah. Put forward this entire military response that had been analyzed all the way down to the nth degree, exactly like you're saying, to how to cure a stolen election. And what we discovered, uh, by the way, I was immediately all for it myself, but Trump didn't do it. And in the end, I hated this, but I ended up agreeing with Trump that to have done it would have been, the cure would have been worse than the disease because you would have lost half the nation completely and maybe, I don't know, forever. But I mean, if they felt that the military was the manner in which the election was cured, then there's no, no, there's no healing that. So that the cure is worse than the disease. It's it's the most, it's the most delicate operation because if the military steps in and says, this has been a stolen election, we have all this advanced machinery and computers that analyze it. Half the nation is going to go, well, that's Trump's military. Exactly. And if the military and, came in and said, uh, uh, we're going to put 50,000 armed guards around the Capitol, they're going to go, that's Biden's military. I don't, but that doesn't mean that the data doesn't exist. So my. No, it does exist. No, it does. It so absolutely does exist. My I'm hope is you. there is some Curtis LeMay motherfucker still somewhere deep in NORAD that's like, I'm going to bring justice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think know that so. it even matters any longer. I don't. Because we are now where trust is the only currency. And, you know, facts. Facts have been essentially obliterated. So we're in a fact-free world where, you know, I say it's a fact, you say that's a uh, fake fact. Uh, And there's no debate. They've they've wiped out the logical interflow from one fact to the next fact. There's no logical connector there any longer. So it all comes down to emotion and trust. And, you know, how do we cure against that? That, Now I'm going to be getting all depressed again in a minute here. (laughs) But, uh, but no, I am telling you, there is the military that has done this work, and it was brought forward and brought forward in a very aggressive manner. I personally was, I wasn't like directly involved, but I was following it, and I was with my analysis that I was publishing supporting it. And then we saw Trump made it. I was furious. I was furious at Trump for not doing it because I felt it had to be done. But then I'm looking at it, and I'm going, so January 20 comes and he doesn't give the keys to the Oval Office because he's got a general standing there next to him? Yeah, it's... Uh, you know... It, the thing is, is it might have... it. The red pill might be that it might have been the right move. They might have looked at it and go, we know for a fact it's stolen. We know for a fact that this happened. I, 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 it, you it, might be right. You might it, be right. They might look at it and go, if our job is to protect the republic and if this might result in civil war there you go maybe you transfer that that doesn't mean that there aren't still machinations behind the scenes to maybe make sure it doesn't happen again i think think, that's where the optimism comes back i think ultimately it comes down to this they probably looked at 2020 and said we cannot undo it the nation is so divided this will result in. you should try to get mackinary on your show i should i think they might have looked at 2020 and said if we try to 
fix this, it will result in civil war and we don't exist in a vacuum. China and Russia will then make moves on our on our bases around the world. Okay, we let this go through. Okay, maybe they maybe they examine Biden. They go, okay, he's not actually a Chinese asset. He's just a corrupt politician. Let's just make sure quietly in the background that this can't ever happen again. I like the way you think, man. It might be that. Yeah, they invite me on your show again so I can get another uh, pump up of yeah, optimism. A little, a little, a little hopium dose. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> there you go. I'll deliver it. I think. I think that's probably. Yeah, I'm now. I'm just thinking aloud. I think that's probably the most logical thing. I think they probably realized. Yeah, the first time I've heard that, and I certainly never had those thoughts cross my mind. Those are your thoughts, not mine. I think that might be. (laughs) That's brilliant. You're looking at 2020. You're looking at BLM rights. You're looking at COVID. You're looking. They're going. It was stolen. It sucks. We took one on the chin. But we got to get through this, and again, there's got to be let, another side. If you know, and if this stolen president starts trying to dismantle the military, then we'll step in. But at the most part, let him just be a fucking politician. They're going to pass bills, and in the background, you work to make sure that this can't happen again. That's what. Wow. I, that's what I think. That's the most hopeful thing I've heard since. And it sucks. And there's probably a lot of there's probably a lot of generals going, "This is bullshit." But the rea- it's like those. It's like when Lemay fucking Curtis LeMay when he headed up Operation Paperclip and said we're going to bring these Nazis back and all these other generals went you're going to do what? And he said yeah. that the bigger war is against the Soviets. Hey man if your job is to protect the Republic and not hold a grudge against Nazis then you will bring back Werner Von Braun and Arthur Rudolph if it means you can have missiles to fight the Soviets. It's a it's a it's amputation. It sucks but if you want to survive you gotta lose the. Ni- hey man, that might have been the hardest decision. Is you have to let this stolen election go through. It I give Trump credit for that. Yeah, and if because if, Trump had the he had the reach and the power, he yeah. absolutely could have protected his election. And I consider it, and this is part of my depression, the greatest landslide victory in American history. Probably so they didn't just was. steal an election. In my opinion, I believe they stole the greatest landslide re-election. Ever, yeah. ever, yeah. and you know that. I mean, that knocked me silly until today. But yeah. you have now helped me. I am now your convert. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Join my, <laughs> join my cult. Um, okay. But, um, I, I just don't drink Kool Aid. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, no Kool Aid. No it's no. It's fine. <laughs> but I think I think you're right. It was probably, it was probably that. Yeah. And it sucks because the bad oh, guys aren't going to be punished. There's going to be no day where no that's not gonna happen not gonna happen but it may be also maybe not as hopeless as we think it is all right so i don't know when i'm gonna do it i don't do my threads on a daily basis anymore i don't even do them weekly but in my next thread my political one not my son sue ones my son sue that's all for business i don't allow politics over there (laughs) i've learned no politics but uh, in my political life I'm going to present Tommy Kerrigan's optimism. I'm going to do my best. Uh, I'm not going to try to be you. I'm not going to try to replicate your entire argument. That's for you to do. (laughs) But I will try to take what you've given me, let it sink in, and then when it's ready to come back out, I will write up a thread, and I'll hit you up at Twitter so you can follow the thread. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. And um, Oh, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll put your Twitter in the description. I'll put your book in the description. Um, I'll email you this episode when it's up. It'll be up in cool. probably like 
an hour. Um, if you cool. Could, if you, Do if that. You and uh, you should hunt down General McInerney. I bet he's available because, you know, nobody's talking about this stuff right now the way it was back then. And he was such a strong advocate for the military solution that he took a huge hit reputationally. And what he may not even want to talk about this stuff anymore. I don't know. But um, my bet is you could get him. And if you did, it'd be a great yeah, show. And then the other one is my friend Tamara Lee. Uh, and going all the way back to 2016 and the social media component of the movement that swept Trump into office. And then everything that we've done since um, and that she's done, uh, I think you'd find her a fascinating guest. So you should, you know, I'll make that introduction if you want. I would love to. And uh, let's. I'll do that as soon as we're done here then. All right. Um, and then hold on. Let me just 